Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I am Brett Nolan of AppAct.net and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I blast off into outer space and battle evil spirits and our own vocabularies as we attempt to uncover the truth about an evil company in a quest for more screen time. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. That is a lot. I mean, I thought you were just going <laughs> to talk about iOS 12, and you weaved a whole little story there. I had to. I like There was so much stuff we're going to cover tonight that I had to get it all in there somehow. Yep. And so, since our last episode, the new iPhones are available for pre-order, and so we wanted to talk about our pre-order experience. And just from the outset, I wanted to say that last week we were a bit critical on Apple's event and relatively underwhelming Apple Watch Series 4, iPhone XS, XS Max, and XR, but that didn't stop me from pre-ordering the iPhone XS, you from pre-ordering the iPhone XS for your wife, and the Apple Watch Series 4 for yourself. Yes, I know. I gave in. I gave in to temptation, and I, I joined the Apple Watch uh, generation and going with the Series 4 and trying out. And then my wife, was she had the 6S, so she was due for an upgrade. So I was definitely going to get her the, the 10S uh, this time around just because the I didn't like the screen on the the XR or 10R and I didn't like the uh, the size of it was too big for her anyways so the 10S was the the right size so that's what I went with yeah I mean you, I can't really blame you for me I didn't get the series 4 because it's $70 more than the intro price of the series 3 a year ago and then I'm also thinking there might be some type of sales by the time we get to Black Friday for the Series 3, simply because Apple's charging 279 So what are retailers like Target and Walmart, even Amazon, going to do on Black Friday to clear out some of those Series 3? Right. I did notice they at Target, because I looked at Target before I ordered as well, because I was hoping I could do like an in-store pickup, get my red card discount, save sales tax, but they didn't have in-store pickup. They had the, the correct prices for the Series 4, but they still had the old prices for the Series 3. So they're not dropping their prices. They they don't want to lose money on these things. So they're going to try to clear out inventory at the old retail price until some sale, probably Black Friday, caused them to, to drop those prices or give gift cards with them or something to, to unload those Series 3. Yep. And so as far as the actual process of it, it seemed like there was a lot of fewer complaints. Like that first, you know, they went up at midnight Pacific. That first half hour, everything was readily available, whether it was the iPhone upgrade program or new purchases. You'd have that delivery date of September 21st, which is this Friday, and it's going all relatively smooth. I don't know if it's because Apple met demand, they targeted perfectly this year there is lower demand because maybe the devices didn't have this killer new feature that you can show off to your friends but things went relatively smoothly as compared to years past yeah i mean this was one of the first years i didn't wake up at three in the morning my time uh to order i was already going to be getting up around four thirty anyway so i actually got up at four to give myself time to get through the order process because i didn't know how long it was going to be and it actually wasn't too bad. And the 10s I was able to order for in-store pickup on release day. Uh, it had already slipped a little bit 
for uh, at least the AT&T model, uh, the 256 in black, that ha or space gray, that had already slipped to, I think, like two weeks out or two, two to three weeks out at the time that I was ordering. So it had slipped a little bit, but in store, you could still order it for release day pickup. So that was no problem. And then the watch was no problem ordering for a release day pickup as well. I just had to choose a different store that I normally would go to. One of them doesn't always have pre-orders. So I think, I don't know if they had sold out or they just weren't doing the pre-orders, uh, but they list, they weren't, I wasn't able to choose them for either device. So uh, I just went with a different store that had them both in stock. And I have my two back-to-back appointments even though i probably only need about five minutes to run in there and grab both of them and leave yep and so i decided i wasn't gonna get it i told myself no matter what i'm not getting the new iphone and so of course i had to because essentially i have a verizon business account which is almost like the iphone or the apple upgrade program where i get a one-year contract and then there's a discounted price on the new phone so that means i essentially can trade in my iphone 10 and get the 10s at really no cost so there was no reason not to so i ended up getting the iphone 10s 64 gigabyte in gold trying that gold see how it is if i don't like it it's only a year and we'll see what the iphone xi or iphone 11 has in store next year yeah yeah i i knew you were gonna give in i i knew because you get that amazing deal i knew you had to give in i didn't know if you were gonna go for the 10s or go for the max since it was a year just try out this massive beast of a phone for a year and then unload it but you do already have the massive ipad so you probably don't need a massive phone as well yeah that's kind of how i decided since i have the 12.9 inch ipad and also the 10s max i mean i have no problem with the iphone 10 as is for screen size i've never thought that it's too small it fits perfectly in my hand i guess i have little baby hands like robin but regardless <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i need that big huge phone for now and maybe the 10 or the 11 will convince me though i'm this year remember when we first got the plus size there was they left the portrait mode only on plus you know there was features that were only on plus this year, it's just the screen size difference. So that $100 is purely the screen size difference, and I, w I wasn't having it this year. Right, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm curious to see with the two new screen sizes, because they also have the, the 10R has a, a slightly different screen size. If we're going to see some of these oddities with apps not looking right on these on these other screens until developers kind of fix their apps, so they all because we had those problems with the Plus when that first came out, and things weren't all working correctly right out of the gate, so... I'm curious to see if there's going to be any issues with those. But, yeah, with no special limited features, like the cameras were all the same on them. Like, we had, in the past, we had, like, the uh, optical zoom and digital zoom was only on one or the stabilization was only on the plus. And so they kind of just made these things identical with the only difference being that screen size and then some slight battery changes, obviously, to drive the bigger phone. But... Otherwise, it's it's the same deal for both of them. Yep, and so if you didn't pre-order the phone, that doesn't mean you can't have some fun new stuff because Apple released iOS 12 on Monday, which is available. So if you didn't pre-order the phone, you can download, update all your devices, and you get essentially a brand new phone. But if you did get the new phone and you haven't tried it out on your old phone, 
this is kind of a preview of what to expect on Friday. So essentially, iOS 12 major emphasis is under the hood enhancements to improve the device's speed, performance, stability, all that good stuff. And so in years past, we've kind of heard on that first day, there might be bugs in the release or wait a couple days for Apple to kind of even it out. But this has been a really smooth rollout. There's no widespread problems or glitches. And that goes into the whole idea of iOS 12 to kind of adopt that Mac style where they'll introduce Leopard and then there's Snow Leopard. They'll introduce Line and then there's Mountain Lion. And these versions are more stable versions. So that's essentially what iOS 12 is trying to do. And this is going to have a really big impact if you have older devices. So if your device supports iOS 11, it's going to support iOS 12. And that goes all the way back to the iPhone 5S and the iPad Air. So any device newer than those are going to support iOS 12. And the older the device, probably the speedier things are going to be with this improvement. Because if you have the iPhone 10, it's not exactly slow. It's going to be tough to notice day-to-day -day use improvements. But the iPhone 6, 7, those are going to see really big enhancements. Right. And I know Apple likes to completely forget that the device even exists, but the iPod Touch 6th generation is also compatible with it. And so that's what my daughters have. So uh, I wanted to get that on there for reasons we'll talk about uh, as we progress through iOS 12, but then also just because of those speed enhancements, because these things are getting kind of long in the tooth and there, there's no foreseeable uh, new versions of these iPods coming out. And if this even helps kind of speed things up, just switching between apps or launching apps, that would be great because uh, I don't see a way to, to get anything better that isn't a phone at the moment because they Apple's just not going to go there. They seem to have just dropped that line. So uh, this is nice to have this for this older device. Yeah, that's definitely worth noting. And so Apple likes also to claim those stats. So they have up to 70% faster swipe to camera. And on my iPad Pro, I definitely notice a faster swipe to camera. So I don't know if that is just me wanting it to be the case, but <laughs> I can definitely feel it. And then the keyboard should pop up up to 50% faster. And then apps should launch up to two times faster under heavy workload. Again, this is kind of going to be device dependent. Right. And it's going to be, unless you somehow have two devices that are identical and you're doing them side by side to do a direct comparison, it's going to be your memory versus what you see now. And I don't know how accurate that's going to be. Yeah. One thing worth noting is that the iPhone 5S was released in 2013 and Apple still supporting that old of a device is pretty nice, especially when you have an Apple Watch Series 0 that does not support <laughs> WatchOS 5, which was also released hand-in-hand -hand with iOS 12. Uh, and so when was the iOS, uh, when was your watch release? Was that 2013? 2015. 2015. Oh, yeah. see, yeah, they, they dumped that one. Like They'll keep on going on those old devices, but not, not your watch. Yeah. Oh, well. I had to find out why. It's because the Series 0 has a single core chip, and then like six months later, they released essentially what's the Series 1 with a dual core chip. It looks exactly the same, same bands, same everything, except they improved the chip, and that's going to support watchOS 5. So uh, I guess okay, okay. that was my mistake to jump on the bandwagon from Apple. Yeah, I, I mean, I same thing happened to me back in the the iPad 4 new iPad days. 
I, I, I had the iPad 4, and then shortly after that, they came out with new iPad, which kind of made mine sort of obsolete, not completely obsolete, but it was kind of a, a kick in the teeth after like just less than six months, they were already coming out with something new when that broke with their whole chain of releases. So, I mean, a similar thing happened with the watch. So every once in a while, being that early adopter hurts, but for the most part, at least you get the, the devices early. Yeah. And so iOS 12, again, it's about speed. And then Apple just decided to kind of jump around the entire operating system and do a little thing here, do a little thing over there. So this is kind of kind of be like hodgepodge of updates. But Apple updated an emoji with four new emojis. But the big thing is the new Memoji where you can create your own avatar to work with that Animoji Face ID tracking setup. Yeah, I mean, it's super easy. It's like any emoji editor where you're creating kind of a look like yourself. You go through, select the face, the eyes, the hair, eyebrows. You can add on hats and other things and everything. And then at the end, you have this thing that animates as you move. And hopefully it looks like you. I mean, I found there was certain limitations with hairstyles and nothing quite matched me but I got something pretty close and then my daughter hopped on my phone and and made one of her that didn't really look like her that much but she seemed to think so so she was all happy about it and uh so it's just kind of a fun way to express yourself and have a unique character I frankly almost never use these and this might get me to use it every once in a while again but uh it's it's cute but I honestly have no idea how much I'm really going to use it yeah, that's what I was going to say. I never I used Animoji like the first week iOS 11 came out and I haven't really used it since and so I don't know if this is going to get me using it now with iOS 12. Yeah, no. I mean, it's the type of thing I'll send to my daughters or or my wife just for fun every once in a while, but really in regular daily use is much faster to just use a normal text message or iMessage. Yeah, and then Augmented Reality has been updated with ARKit 2, and that's going to take a lot of third-party developer support to really see the benefits of. But Apple released their own Measure app as part of iOS 12, so now you can essentially point your device at any kind of flat object surface, and it will be able to measure it. And it's surprisingly accurate. I pointed my iPad camera, which isn't the best, it's not the iPhone 10 camera, at my MacBook, and it could measure the screen dimensions and automatically identify the size of the keyboard space it identified my desk perfectly fine and then it can it does a really good job of automatically finding kind of rectangles if you point it like a picture frame or something but you can also tap and create waypoints so if you have a more of a curved space you can then put dots around it and lines to measure it manually yeah, I was pretty impressed. I, I measured a few things, and the first time I kind of rushed it and went at like a weird angle, and it was a little bit off the measurement, but then I, I'm like, no, that didn't seem right. So then I redid it where I was a little more precise with things, and then it was like dead-on accurate. I measured it with a tape measure afterwards just to double-check, and it was it was perfectly accurate. So I, they pretty much put a whole bunch of app developers out of business with <laughs> including this baked in, but it worked really well. And like you said, with the whole thing where it kind of finds those rectangles to try to make it quicker and faster for you to 
to measure things and it'll lock into like the the points that you start to make so that you can measure like the top and then the side of an object if you're just trying to get like a box or a mirror or, or a picture or something where you only need two of the dimensions to really figure it out and uh, it was impressively accurate uh, just in my quick usage of it. And then third-party apps are starting to kind of adopt the measure idea where Kayak lets you quickly measure your suitcase to see if it will fit in the carry-on dimensions of the particular airline you chose. Yeah, I mean, it's a simple little extra tool. It's kind of nice just to have that in there because I, I know that they've changed those carry-on sizes. I know I have one bag that no longer is considered a carry-on, but I still can get away with it every once in a while. But it's nice to be able to double check before you take off. And then screen time is a big feature, which lets you first and foremost automatically track your app usage. So you can see just how you're using your device. You don't have to do anything at all. You install iOS 12 and it's automatically run into the background. You don't have to enable it or switch it on for particular apps. It's just working and it identifies with little percentages of how you're using different apps, which one uses the most, and then also time tracking. And then you can see how many times you've picked up your phone during the day. And then as you build this data, you then can act on it. It's totally optional, but you can tap on any app within the settings panel of screen time, and then you can set a limit. So there's the little, essentially alarm clock style scroll, and you can set, I only want to use Instagram for an hour. And then if you reach that hour, you can disable that limitation that you put on or you can put your phone down and stop checking Instagram for the day or Facebook or whatever app you find yourself getting lost in for long periods of time based on that tracking data that it's automatically generating. Right, yeah. And so even beyond like just trying to have a little self-control yourself, this is awesome for parents. Like this is the feature I was looking forward to. I've already installed it on one of my daughter's uh I, uh, iPod touches the other one I had to wait and I found an old device that could run this game that she really loved that no longer worked with iOS 11 so I wasn't about to put iOS 12 on yet until I could find a way that she could play the game uh, and so now I just kind of have her in that let's monitor what you're doing uh, and let's see where we need to set some limits. So I'm letting them have free reign on these devices. We still have certain limitations that we use a circle for to limit their YouTube time and uh, time on a few other network-based apps. But we've never had this ability to, on iOS devices, limit any app that they have on there so there's games they'll just load up that if they're all local there's no way really for us to restrict it at least there previously wasn't a way and so having the screen time to show them like look you just spent an hour and 45 minutes in this stupid barbie app uh <laughs> let's kind of limit this down and or this stupid free-to-play game that you sat there for 40 minutes and played maybe you don't need to play that game so much. So right now it's just kind of monitoring everything. And I, I can, the nice thing is I can view. So all my devices are set up as like a family in iCloud. And so from my device, I can view all of their screen time stats. They can go on and view their own screen time stats on their devices, but they can't make changes to any kind of limitations that I enable. I can set up all those limitations from my device on their devices, and it's pa there's a passcode that you can set so they can't get in. And then if they hit those limits, 
it it I believe it works just like the if they want to purchase an app and it sends me like a request. They can say, "Can I have some more time on such and such?" And then you can reward them with additional time on the app of their choice or whatever the limitation they happen to have hit. Uh, you can now adjust that for them to give them a little more time, like maybe as a reward or something. But it, this is going to be uh, an amazing tool. I, my brother has been using it with his kids um, since the beta. So he's had the beta on. And they said this has been like the most amazing feature ever to come to like iOS because it helps them control how much time they're spending on these screens and these devices. And I mean, you can set certain things. So maybe there's an app they need for school. You can set that as no limitations on that thing. That thing can always be used. And so if there's certain things you don't want to restrict, that you can turn off restrictions for those and you don't have to worry about it. It's nice that you can go every single individual app or just whole categories of apps that you don't want them to play games or you, maybe you just want to shut down their device when it's bedtime so they won't be getting notifications. So you can set like this downtime period where they can't even go on the device or maybe you want it off during dinner. You don't want it disturbing dinner. You could set a schedule for those downtimes to have them off and that way there's no distractions, they're not hitting it, or while they're doing homework, you turn it off, and it's just a super nice feature, and you could tell they put a lot of thought into how to do this nicely and elegantly, and I'm looking forward to really digging into this. My daughter's, on the other hand, my when she came home today and found out iOS 12 was on there, she's like, no, because I already warned her this was going, and so uh, I, I'm very thankful to Apple for this screen time feature. Yeah, I think the parent angle is really appealing, and I could see the benefit. But from a kid's perspective, I got to imagine this is going to be disappointing. Like, I could see, depending on family dynamics, you could see local report kid smashes iPad because he can't play games or whatever. Can't play it's, Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to imagine you could limit Fortnite because I know kids are playing Fortnite at school. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, yeah, you can limit it, like the total amount of time. I think you might even be able to set like a certain time frame that they can't access it. Which I think I probably could have done that with my other one, just based on the network traffic that Fortnite uses. But it's nice that when these new games or new, or maybe there's some game you just don't even want to play, and somehow if they get it on their device, you just don't even want to be able to play. You can set like a limit, like you can't even play this stupid thing because. I don't want you playing it. So it's just a, a nice, finally, this has been a long time coming for this tool. And I, I like how simple and easy it is to use because I know that uh, Amazon has it for the Kindle Fire and they have a whole subscription service you can subscribe to to kind of do it. But I thought their menus and things were so kludgy and confusing where this seems so straightforward on controlling this kind of stuff and setting limits that I'm, I'm looking forward to really uh, diving in and, and exploring it more. But right now I'm just kind of the wait and see. I'll update you guys in, in like about a week once I start enabling the actual restrictions, both on how easy it was and the ramifications against me by doing so. And if you do want to access screen time, all you have to do is go to settings. It's right near the top. It goes notifications, sounds, do not disturb screen time. So it's really easy to access. And then speaking of notifications, Apple's updated those. So now you finally have grouped notifications and you clear them all off with one button rather than going app by app clearing of notifications. So that's great. 
And then if you do have a notification in from a particular app, you can decide to deliver it quietly or turn off completely. So you can adjust app by app for notifications right from the notifications. You don't have to get lost in settings. Yeah, those group notifications are fantastic, especially where you can clear, like even if you don't want to clear all your notifications, you can clear whole groups of notifications too at a time. And then just being able to turn off the notifications without having to find this app in the settings and do all that is so nice. Because there's been apps I've just kind of let linger and I'm like, oh man, more notifications. And especially now where you see on screen time, all the how many notifications each app is sending you. Yes. If I see that thing piling up from a certain app, I think I might consider turning off notifications on that thing. And now I don't even have to go into settings. I get to do it the next time one of these notifications pops up. It's gone. It's out of there. So, I, yeah, it's it's a nice little one of these little adjustments. And I mean, this whole iOS 12, there's none of thing like super huge. Well, maybe screen time, but these little tweaks are super nice along with that whole performance upgrade that it just makes it a much nicer experience to use my existing phone. So especially in a year that I'm not upgrading my phone, it's nice to have just something that makes it more pleasurable to use if I'm not going to upgrade. Right. And Do Not Disturb has been enhanced. So now you can turn it on for a particular hour or when you get to a certain location or for a particular calendar event, you can have it all customized. So rather than just on off or you might forget to turn it back on, you can now set it up for specific use cases during your day. Yeah, this is nice for like when we do our podcasts, I can turn it on for my calendar event, the length of the calendar event, our podcast, just turn it on so this doesn't disturb me while we're recording. Or when I go to the movie theater, I can turn it on and then have it turn itself off as soon as I leave the movie theater. Then I don't have to remember to turn it on back on, which that's happened to me before. I get halfway through the day. I'm like, wow, I got no notifications. Something must be wrong. And then I realize I never turned it back on. And then I see all these missed things. So it's nice that you can now have that geofencing to not have to remember and it'll automatically go back on for you yep and then photos have been improved so there's new improved ways to share because there's an enhanced for you tab to kind of generate those memories that you might want to share but the big thing is photo search so apple's trying to compete with google google photos in this regard google does an amazing job of just identifying objects in your scene so you can do all kinds of crazy searches and apple's not at that point but it's a start and it's a pretty good start I mean, I just searched dog and all my photos with my two different dogs appeared from, you know, it's found like 500 photos or whatever. And that's pretty great improvement on Apple's side of things to identify that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty impressive. Like if you know you had a picture of like a Christmas tree, you could type Christmas tree and I'll find it in your, especially once you start to get thousands upon thousands of pictures and you could go to roughly the date you thought it was, but sometimes you don't remember and just be able to do these searches and have it kind of limit the down the number of pictures or maybe you just know you took a whole bunch of pictures of something and you want to find the best one of them you can do that search to, to try to filter them down much easier. And it worked surprisingly well. Yep. And really, there's a bunch of other little small things before we get to the last big thing. So it's just worth noting that 
iBooks is now called Apple Books, and they redesigned the store so it's more like the iOS 11 App Store. The Stocks app has come to the iPad, and it's slightly redesigned. So if you click on a particular stock, like say you're tracking Apple, it will bring up all these news articles related to Apple. So that's that's actually pretty valuable. And then Voice Memos comes to the iPad, and then Apple News also comes to the iPad. Yeah, and then a couple of other smaller ones that I really like are the password fill. So you always have that iCloud keychain that you could use for storing passwords. But, I mean, that doesn't translate outside of Apple devices. So I'm a 1Password subscriber, and so I'd use that for all my passwords, and that goes across all my devices, not just my iOS devices. And so having now when you click that little password button... It, you can set where you want to get those passwords from. So it'll you can have it do multiple sources, or you can turn off iCloud Keychain and just use one password. Or if you use some other service, you can if they've implemented it, you can use that as well. So now if I go to any kind of field where I need to enter passwords, I just hit that button. It has me log into one password with my finger or my face, and then pulls the password in instantaneously like it's super easy you just have to go to the little uh i forget what that button is the square with the arrow bring up a separate thing to bring up the to bring up one password log in get the password come back sometimes it would work sometimes it wouldn't this all just seems to work seamlessly and it's about time and i'm just really happy they finally added it the other thing is on the per, the predictive text where they have all those suggestions. It used to be white text on a gray background. Now they've changed that to black text and it's so much easier to read. And that's just one little minor thing, but it just makes it much nicer. And that means it's really the last big part of iOS 12, which is Siri shortcuts. And Apple bought the app Workflow a couple years ago essentially rebranded it and has incorporated as part of iOS 12. It is a separate download, so I think go to the App Store and look for it if it's not right on your home screen after you update. It's just shortcuts you can download it. It's free. And then if you've ever used Workflow, the color interface is going to look really familiar. And really, this app comes down to having third-party app support. So at the outset, Apple's made it work with their stock Maps app, or the official Twitter app, but if you use Google Maps or Waze, if you use Tweetbot or Twitterific, those aren't going to have the hooks in yet, so that's going to take time. But you can still kind of experiment with Apple stock apps to get familiar with shortcuts, and then there's a few apps that have already been updated. Essentially, it lets you quickly add things to Siri. So I know City Mapper's been updated, and it lets you say departures, and now you can say, hey Siri, departures and then it's going to automatically check into city mapper and read back what the current departure is for the next train or bus at your location based on what you've set up previously so you can say just single word or couple word things and it's going to bring these things in all from siri shortcuts that you can open up these third-party apps and most of them have added in quick menus or buttons to add to Siri to make let you record a phrase so Siri's ready to listen to what you might potentially say. Yeah, I mean, this is a really deep... In, uh, you can create some really complex procedures in here. You can have it 
do multiple different things with apps. You can have whole like if else statements to decide based on the content it gets back. So I just made a quick one where eventually I would like to convert it over to Waze if they would add support for this. But I just decide on a whim just try one where I have a go to my calendar I specify the calendar it grabs my next event and then it takes the address from that event information it gets back then it, it sends that into uh, Apple Maps and gives you the directions on how to get to that location so then I could have a Siri event where I just say Siri tell me how to get to my next appointment and it will pop it up and I'll have the directions and we'll get and I'll be able to go right away as long as I have the the location saved in my appointment it'll it should work fine but it's impressive like the the amount of stuff you can build with this relatively simple toolkit that they provide you and once more and more of these third-party app developers get on board i mean the the possibilities seem endless that you of what you could do if you want to just quickly use your voice to do things and launch these these shortcuts to do multi-step procedures and yeah it's just a matter of time i mean at the outset it's not going to be like this revolutionary new feature though you can see the promise and potential but it's going to be updated because it's essentially not or allegedly not that hard to implement from a developer i'm not going to speak from a developer perspective but just from hearing other developers it's not this whole convoluted process to input so that means it's just going to be a matter of time until a lot of the apps that you use are going to be updated to support series shortcuts yeah yeah from what i've read it sounds like it's fairly straightforward but then again I, I don't develop apps, so yeah, I don't know how, how simple it really is, but it sounded like it was fairly straightforward and, and not too bad to add the hooks in, so hopefully we'll see it. Yep, and so that's a good kind of overview of iOS 12. You know, it's like the usual thing. There's over 200 new features. There's all these kind of little pieces that are going to be hidden over time or just not necessarily being worth talking about, but if you haven't updated your older device be sure to do so this build is stable you don't have to worry about it it supports a ton of devices and it might even improve older devices so be sure to update your devices to ios 12 as soon as you can yep yeah i highly recommend just going ahead and it was a huge download but it was super fast to download so uh it doesn't take much time at all to get it installed even on release day it didn't take long at all and then it's worth noting this isn't really part of iOS 12. It's just that on the iPad, Apple shifted the clock over to the left-hand side. They added in the date as well, but they cleared the middle section of the iPad, which might indicate that that notch will be coming to the new iPads that will probably launch in October. Right, and they also uh, went ahead and did the, the same swipe gestures that you would use on an iPhone that doesn't have a home button. So it seems like they're really getting it prepared to get rid of that home button everywhere on the iPads as well. And then they also did a weird thing with the landscape keyboard where they swapped the position of the little key that switches between numbers and letters and the little language slash emoji keyboard button. So if you're all of a sudden having troubles typing in landscape mode on your iPad, that's probably what you're running into. You're tapping in the wrong thing, and you're probably accidentally bringing up that emoji keyboard. And it'll probably take a, just a little bit of uh, 
time before your muscle memory changes and you're able to type properly again. Yep. And so that's iOS 12. And that means it's time for some new games that don't necessarily take advantage of iOS 12, but that doesn't mean they're not worth your attention and time. Yep. And the first game this week is Returner Zero. So I think it was last year that Returner 77 came out, and this is built in the same universe, really similar storyline, but it's a standalone game. You don't have to play the first one to have played this one. And it kind of follows along the same lines, where it's a whole sci-fi-themed 3D puzzle adventure game built on kind of that room style, but with more kind of smaller puzzles than tactile puzzles, you know, more puzzly adventure. And essentially, there's 77 people left on Earth who are all scientists trying to figure out how to deal with these aliens, and you're the 77th one, kind of the last-ditch effort of humanity, and you have to find your kind of colleague who's leading you through this essentially alien ship the first one is all about surviving on this alien ship this one kind of blends more what happened like this five-year period that is kind of hinted at in the original game but from when the aliens first land to you being on the ship so it's kind of blends the two together but still focuses on just that pure puzzle adventure idea with a story that's just compelling enough to kind of intrigue you to go through all these smaller puzzle bits. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the original Returner 77. I don't know if this is considered like a a prequel, a sequel, or kind of like a parallel story. It's like a, yeah, it's like a midquel or something. Or something. I like I I couldn't really tell where it was falling. I, I was a little confused by this storyline, to be honest. Like it can it was a little more confusing than the original one was. Um, if this if you played the original one, this is pretty similar. I I would say it's almost a little more straightforward in the puzzles like it seems like you're going directly from puzzle to puzzle there's not a lot of like i remember in the first one you had like little things you were finding uh i don't know they were like video clips or something and this one it seems like there's none of that you're just kind of going double tapping to move over to the next puzzle you see where they are um it's still got this great beautiful graphics and I, i just felt like this one wasn't quite as good as the original like i think if you haven't played the original i think i'd recommend the original over this one but if you like those room style games and are looking more for like a a spacey theme this one does have an interesting story i just like i said i found a little confusing but it has those same types of logic style puzzles and some of them make you think some are pretty straightforward uh, but you have to like move things around and there's no instructions you're trying to figure out exactly what you need to do you can hit this little AI button that kind of gives you a little hint and then if you really are lost it can actually solve the puzzle for you but uh, I recommend really just giving them a try without even trying to get a hint and just because it kind of lends into the story that you're in this mysterious world and you're trying to figure things out and you don't necessarily know uh, what's going on and you kind of figure out as you go. Yeah, it seemed like the first one was more like the room and kind of letting you do more exploration and this game is more like the Faraway series where they kind of boil it down to go from puzzle to puzzle, like you mentioned. It's a little bit more methodical and slow because you go from this puzzle, you double tap, and you go over to the next puzzle. So with, like, Far Away, 
it's kind of simpler. It's like Birdcage as well, where it just focuses on the puzzles. Like, this game is more expansive and detailed in the environments and the storytelling and the 3D design, but it's still that same kind of idea where it cuts out the exploration aspect and just is more of a series of puzzles. Right. You're almost like dropped into like a singular location each time and you just kind of move to the next area of that location and then you're dropped into another one. And so it doesn't feel like it's like an open world where you can kind of... I mean, there are aspects of that where you can kind of walk around, but to go from puzzle to puzzle, there's not a lot of reason for you not to just jump to the right puzzle unless you're really interested in the scenery. It's not going to drive the story or drive any other elements to it. You're just kind of walking around, but you can always kind of see where that next puzzle is. I, I don't know. It just felt like they... I don't know if they got complaints about people with the first one just wanted to get to the puzzles. I enjoyed the aspect of the first one where you were to kind of that explore exploration aspect to it, but it seemed like, I don't know if this was just to be able to get it out faster to, and I mean, it's been a year, I think. I think the last one came out last October. So, uh, I mean, obviously these kind of games take time to, to build, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I still enjoyed it, I, I and I do like the fact that if, for some reason, you did need to get help, they're not going to nickel and dime you with in-app purchases for hints and things. It's a one-time payment deal, and then you own the game. Uh, but I would say if you haven't played either, I would go for the original first and see what you think. And if you want more, go with Returner Zero. Yeah, I think just our knowledge of the original kind of hurts this one. You know, if you were completely blind to the series, this is a good game, but not being, you know, with that knowledge of the first one, this is definitely a step back just because it's so focused on the puzzles. It's not simplified in puzzle style. You know, the puzzles are still a challenge. It's just simplified in structure and scope, and the game isn't as long as well. It's a shorter game, so maybe that's part because you don't spend time kind of wandering around. You're just going puzzle to puzzle. And then it seemed like the original had more environmental puzzles where you'll get a piece from here and move it over to here. This game, the puzzle is just like you zoom in on the screen and you do this little logic puzzle rather than, you know, inventory system or any of the kind of point and click adventure puzzles. Right. Yeah, yeah. I definitely noticed that. I mean, I, I haven't finished it yet. I just got it this afternoon, but... Um... Yeah, I, there's uh, you do have an inventory, but you seem to never really use it. You use it to hold one thing, and then you move that one thing to like the next screen. So yeah, it's not like okay. any of these yeah. where you're figuring out, like carrying things around, like all of that. The point-click adventure that I love, it doesn't. I, I felt there was a lot more of that aspect to the game in the original than in this one, and I I think it's probably just to try to shorten the development time. They just that's a lot of work to plan that kind of stuff and. Make make sure it works, test it. And so I think it's probably just trying to get this released while the first one was still popular and trying to drive and continue the story and, and drive everything that I think it ended up falling a little short. Yep. And so that is Returner Zero. It's $4.99. It's universal. And then there's the company game. Oh, I was which... just going to quickly say that's Zero, Z-H-E-R-O, just in case you're trying to spell it out. Right, that actually is worth noting. If you're searching on the App Store, there's an H right in the middle of zero. <laughs> and so the company game, we've seen this kind of style before where it's 
is more of kind of this enigma mystery the game doesn't really hold you by the hand it kind of opens up with this weird kind of story where you're being hacked into this company database and there's all these lies you have to unravel and uncover and but the company as well as the hacker are kind of trying to tell you their own side of the story of things but each puzzle itself it's just kind of this weird mystery on screen and you have to figure out what you need to do like maybe there's some shapes on screen and you have to figure out what code those shapes can generate and just those kind of ideas where you just kind of grasping at straws of what to do and then there's also ones that use your device so you might have to shake your device to reveal like a Polaroid picture and so it's just kind of you just testing everything you can on your device multi-tap double taps to see what you can do to figure out a puzzle if you've ever played the guides or black box this has a really similar idea but it seems like they take up a notch on the story more emphasis on this weird kind of lies of a company idea right yeah i love these games where they take every aspect of your device and try to use it in some way so you have to think outside the box to solve these puzzles and there was another game i was racking my brain trying to think of the name of it and i couldn't come up with it that did this a couple of years back where they had things where you had to shake the phone you had to turn the the mute switch on and off in order to hit things so this again does i don't want to give any of the puzzles away you have to do things that you have to think about your device and think about what it can do, what it's capable of. And there are times where you just have to try random things in order to figure it out and figure out what you need to do. And some of them are like insanely challenging. Other ones, it just takes a second and it'll click and you figure out what you need to do. But it's just the thought that went into like, creating these puzzles and trying to find unique ways you hadn't seen before of crafting these puzzles is what and then coupling that with this interesting crazy weird storyline is really just draws you in and makes your device like a tool for you to help you in this mystery that you're trying to solve and i i really enjoyed this one I, i mean a couple of the puzzles they almost felt a little cheap. One in particular, which I'm not going to give away, felt a little cheap. But um, otherwise, I just I really enjoyed it. It was relatively short. There were only 25 puzzles, but I guess it depends on how stuck you get. It does say that at the end of those 25 puzzles, the story will continue in like another set. I don't know if that's going to be another add-on content or if that's going to be free to when they release it. I don't know about that, but... Um, I did enjoy my time that I spent with uh, with the game. Yeah, it really just stands out. You know, we have a lot of kind of samey games where, oh, this is this genre, this is that genre. This is a type of game where it's so different. I mean, I came up with two examples, so it's not like the most used genre in the App Store, but it just all of these styles stand out where you have to really think and use your device in different ways to solve these puzzles. And then the game has a hint system. You know, it doesn't require video ads or a coin system or anything. You can tap and reveal one hint on every puzzle. And I'm sure there's online walkthroughs if you're super stuck. But it's best to just kind of sit. And if you really can't figure out one, just let it marinate. Because you can't advance. If you get to, you know, level 10 and you can't figure it out, you're never getting to a level 11 until you figure out 10. 
So just kind of give yourself some time to appreciate the game and appreciate the different puzzles and just think of how this developer put them together and you'll hopefully eventually come up with the answers. The one kind of tip I will give is that some of the puzzles connect to each other. I didn't even think of that until one of the hints told me. But, you know, oh, I'm on level five. This needs what you did in level three. I would have never even thought of that in the first place. So hopefully that won't frustrate you as much as it did me. Right. Well, they do do a nice job of... I, I figured that out when I got the hint as well. The hints aren't too bad. They kind of just give you a little bit of a hint. They don't give you the solution, which is good. Uh, but they have the whole chart of where you can select the puzzle that you want to do. And... Uh, it kind of highlights them in a different color if they're ones you might you're gonna to have to come back to that you haven't fully used yet. So you'll know the ones you need to go back to. Uh, it won't tell you exactly which one you need to, but you'll go back to those to use them. The one thing I did find annoying for um, some of those is I wish it would leave it in the completed state. And then you could hit a restart button if you need to restart the puzzle in order to get the information you needed. Because some of them, you need the information from the finished state. So now you had to remember how you solve this puzzle. Because this might be like a day later because you let it sit and marinate. And then you like your seven puzzles in. And then now you have to go back to like the second puzzle you did. And you're like, oh, how did I do this one? And then you now have to remember how you did it do it correctly and get that information where either have like a tool where you could have taken a picture of part of the screen. I mean, I took a lot of screenshots cause that's what I do in any of these type of games. But if you didn't, then uh, it would be nice to have a way where all that information was already set up for you. You didn't have to redo a whole puzzle in order to get that information. Unless you had to, to get the information, then let me do it. Choose to redo it. Mm -hmm. I definitely can see that. And so that's the company game. It's $1.99. It's universal. If you like games that are different, it's definitely one to check out. And then there's Shiro, which is SHI with a little circle in the middle RO. So it's a puzzle game that focuses kind of on traditional culture where there's all these little uh, constellations mixed with history. And then that ties into kind of word usage. And essentially the puzzle game itself does, it's, I kept expecting it to expand upon itself. So essentially you drag from one circle to another circle to a mountain. And then as you go, the circles increase in number. And the only rule is that you can't drag. So there's these little floating objects around each circle. You can only drag if it's smaller or equal, or if it's only larger or equal. So if there's a circle with one thing floating around it, you can float to another circle with one thing or something with two, three, any larger amount. But you can't go from the three back to the one. So you have to kind of build that out as they expand. And then the lines that you connect can't cross over one another. So you have to figure out the proper order of operations to connect everything and then get to the hill. And then everything, all the little floating objects suck down into the hill and you're on to the next level. And... I thought there was going to be something else. I thought there was level packs, like this is the first style, there's going to be another style, or there was going to be something more... I, I don't know what I was expecting, but <laughs> the game really never got that difficult. 
No, it was so repetitive. I, like you, thought there was going to be more. And then they make this big deal of, like, you're using this puzzle box and you're swiping and you're going to another area of the bo another box. And to me, the animation didn't even look like a box. I don't even know what I was supposed to see. It kind of looked like a, a screen swipe. It really didn't look like what they were claiming it looked like. And I, I was expecting something to change. Like, give me something new with the puzzle, some other difficulty curve, a totally different style of puzzle. But no, it was just the same thing over and over and over again. And I was so bored. Like, I, by the third constellation that you get to where it's not going to change and it doesn't get any diff more difficult it just seemed like when is this going to end and that at that point I'm just like I point there's a loose story there but honestly I didn't really care about the story I was just hoping for more interesting puzzles and I lost interest fairly quickly in this one yeah I was kind of disappointed because it looked promising you know, from the App Store description and just the setup of it, and then you get to the game and it just doesn't get anywhere, you're like, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but that is Shiro. It's two ninety nine. It's universal. And then to round out the week is Alpha Bear 2. The original Alpha Bear is a fun little game from Spry Fox that lets you essentially create words and clear tiles off the board, and as you do, that empty space that's created forms into a cute little bear. The bears have all kinds of different costumes as you go, and then those costume bears have special bonuses to kind of amp up uh, your score. And then your ultimate goal is to clear all the lettered tiles to create one big bear the size of the entire puzzle board. And then each tile has a countdown timer, so every turn countdowns one. So, you know, if a tile starts at three, you only have three turns to make a word out of it, or it becomes stone, and it's going to block the size of your ever-expanding bears. And so the sequel maintains that gameplay style, but creates this level-based storyline that has this whole kind of Back to the Future theme where all bears through time are kind of merged and mixed up, and you need to correct the timeline. So, you, you know, you're going to have uh, Einstein bear, or Abraham Lincoln bear, or all these kinds of bears through time that you have to deal with, collect, connect, and just reorganize as you're going through the different levels. Yeah, I mean, it's just so cute and humorous as you're playing essentially just a word game. But then as you unlock all these different bears, they all have those special things that kind of break the rules or give you special abilities that allow you to, like, maybe hold on to a letter for, for a little bit longer before it turns into a stone and blocks out that space from being able to be used. Or it gives you bonuses for ending words in certain letters. So they kind of change up what you're going to do as far as how you're going to do your words. Maybe you're going to leave certain tiles around and risk them going to stone because you can't use those letters now or maybe they don't form the best word that you want to form and so there's all these like emergent strategies as you're going which are played upon by those different bears that you unlock which are super cute and you just want to unlock more and more and more of them and then just the fact that like you might be under the gun so maybe this level you're in has a timer so now you got to work fast you're not going to necessarily try to come up with the best word you're just going to try to come up with a word that hopefully clears out a large section to make that bear get bigger and bigger and bigger or find a way to like just eliminate a few of those letters that are going to explode pretty soon or turn to stone pretty soon and then 
hopefully get better letters that you can make a longer word, but you're so rushed that you can't really think about it that much and just got to keep on moving. So it it's a, a word game, but there's so much more to it in just like the cuteness of it and all of these other elements that kind of change things up and force you to think about things differently than you might in just a standard word game. Yeah, usually, I mean, I really like the idea of word games but it seems like a lot of them blend together or once you get kind of the style down you're not that intrigued to go on so that's really well where alpha bear kind of distinguishes itself especially in this new level based format because the original alpha bear i kind of petered out after a while but this game you have these specific levels you understand there's this whole storyline and this time period thing so you want to go from level to level and then like you said the variation makes each level kind of play different those time levels you're going to come play completely different you know when you have unlimited time you can go and try to think of these eight letter words and make this one big huge bear these time levels like you said you're just i get some words out i got two minutes and so you can't even really get into it but it just keeps things fresh and varied so you want to go from level to level the story plus the subtle variations make you want to play through it in entirety and that's kind of where uh, word games kind of have stumbling blocks. So that's kind of how Alpha Bear tries to avert that. Right, and just the story itself is absolutely hilarious. And they 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 have all kinds of pop culture references. They even like self-reference themselves. And I and then at the end of each level, when you finish it, it kind of seems to pick a couple of your words that you had in there and forms like this nonsensical thing that you could tweet out. And then I guess if they like the, if they really like the one you are, you end up coming up with, then uh, there's a chance you may show up on the the screen of the loading screen as the game starts up. I think they periodically swap them out with ones that people have done in the past, and it's just another little fun element to the game. I've never actually tweeted any of them out, but some of them are. are just nonsensical some are humorous some i don't know it's just another little fun aspect of the game that keeps you wanting to play more and more of it yep and so that's alpha bear 2 it is free it's universal and i think that's everything for episode 82 yep that's all i got to everyone listening we hope you enjoy and we'll talk to you next time talk to you later